What would you say about a person who starts their own business during a global pandemic? Before you answer that, uh, I've got a couple more details that might help in your assessment of this person. So the company that they're leaving is growing. The job that they have is exciting. The compensation reflects well the worth of the work that they're producing, and they love and respect their coworkers. What in the world would cause someone to make that kind of leap? Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and I'm betting that your answers and feeling about this situation will change by the end of the interview. It was a pleasure to speak with Alex Judd. He is the founder of Path for Growth. Not only because I love what this guy stands for and what he's all about, but also I was just listening to him host the Entree Leadership Podcast the other day. So this was specifically really fun for me uh, on the air, so to speak, and off the air to, to pick his brain on how he did what he did and, and to get some uh, tips and tricks from him so that I can you know get better at what I do. Before I bro out too much on this, let's just get into it about why Alex Judd left one of the best workplaces in America. I'm currently the founder of a business called Path for Growth that really helps leaders and teams to find vision and create a plan for executing on the things that matter most. And prior to this business, I actually worked at Dave Ramsey's company. Many of you are probably familiar with Dave Ramsey. And he had a brand called Entree Leadership that's now about a 70-person team. And I got to work there as a coach for small business owners around the country and also got to serve as the host of the Entree Leadership podcast. Man, I'm so excited about this conversation today. I know you were talking to me just a little bit about before about everything that we're going to be discussing. And I am just so pumped because we're going to dive into some topics that I just get so amped about, Steve. Well, let's let's do it. Let's zoom in a little bit. And um, before we get to the current state of where you're at, I think yeah. it would help people to, to kind of zoom in on that last five years of your time at, you know, at Ramsey and, and Entree Leadership and help us know what it's like inside those walls. Because some of us from the outside it, it might think, that it's perfect and you got it all together or, or that it's super, super intense and there's never downtime. So zoom in on that last five years at Ramsey, what your experience was like and what it's like, you know, inside those walls. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Dave Ramsey, he is currently the host of the third largest talk radio show in the country. I think they're now averaging about 16 million listeners a week. And what's, what's really remarkable is he started that uh, 30 years ago at a card table in his living room all by himself. And he has built the business with a really, really clear sense of purpose and mission with a set of values that he sticks to relentlessly and with zero debt. And so he's grown this business to what is now a 950 person organization, $250 million top line revenue. And they've got the plan in place to be a billion dollar organization. It is just unreal. And it's been named the top place to work in Nashville for 11 years now. Uh, and they just got named the best place to work uh, in America by by the, the ink list that Inc. puts out every year. And What's so crazy is I had read about all this in the Entree Leadership book and had read about it in news articles and had listened to the Entree Leadership podcast for years. And I had heard all of this PR about how it's a great place to work, the culture that it's just like unlike anything on the planet and just the level of leadership and how fast it's growing. And I just thought to myself before I started working there, I was like, well, (laughs) there's no way it's that good. 
But if it's half as good, I'll be happy is what I thought. And I swear I got there four years ago and it was better than what I had heard about. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, Dave is the strongest leader I've ever met. And it's not even close. I mean, that that guy is just absolutely remarkable. And what's so cool is the person that people hear on the radio every single day for three hours talking to people and coaching them on their personal finances or the, the guy that they see on stage in front of thousands of people at Smart Conference or Entree Leadership Summit. That's the guy that he is at home. That's the guy that he is in the marketing meeting. That's the guy that he is at Monday morning staff meeting. That's just who he is. And I think the caliber of leadership is always measured by the caliber of people you surround yourself with. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what Dave has done at Ramsey Solutions. Um, that's, I think, one of the things that I'm most grateful for, in addition to the work that we got to do, is the people we got to do it with. He, he just has this incredible capacity for surrounding himself with really, really smart people and allowing them to run in their lane. And so, man, it like it was just an absolute blast. I feel like I got an MBA over the course of four years that I can actually <laughs> use and I got paid to do it. It's like, how on earth did I luck out like this? But it was just an outrageous experience. So now some might say that you're crazy for, for leaving an established <laughs> organization, launching a business during a pandemic. Now, I... Of course, wouldn't because we're friends now. <laughs> but you know, there's would, some Steve, that might I would say I'm crazy. So maybe you're the crazy one that's saying I'm <laughs> maybe, not. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So, so, but hypothetically, like if somebody was listening in, like, wait, you just described one of the best workplaces in the nation that's growing, and you're the host of this uber successful podcast. You know, could you just now take us there, walk us through the process you went through to make the decision? of leaving what ultimately caused you to, to, to make the leap. It, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So I, I still live down the road from the Ramsey building and I'll drive by it occasionally. And I just realized they just built a $70 million building with cash and they're working on the second one right now. Oh and meanwhile, God. I'm working from my living room right now. Um, yeah. And I rent. I don't even own the living room. I rent it. <laughs> and uh, I, I just had this realization. It was like, holy cow, I just left a brand new Bentley for a 1980 used Ford pickup truck that sometimes works. Um, and I'll tell you right off the bat right now, there it's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but I, I told the VP of Entree Leadership, Sarah Sloy, and she's just a remarkable leader as well. And she's, yeah, a, she's an incredible friend of mine, but probably about a week or so before my last day. And this is what was so cool is we had walked through this process together and it was not like I had to make this decision in isolation. We, I mean, they were with me every step of the way. So that like, that was just so unbelievably helpful and life-giving for making such a hard decision is to be in that decision and walking through that decision with leaders and mentors that I really trusted. And one of the things that I told her about a week before my last day is I said, Sarah, this decision would just be so much easier if everything was moving in the wrong direction and I just hated everyone. <laughs> yeah, you just turn your back on it and move on, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, but that's just not the case. Like, mm -hmm. it, I mean, I, I love everyone there and, and the organization 
it, like it has already won in massive ways. I, I legitimately believe because I've been there for the past four years, they're about to blow the lid off this thing in the entree leadership capacity and the financial peace capacity and smart dollar and what they do with corporate wellness. It's insane. I mean, it's just it's going bonkers. And so to leave that, it was an outrageously hard decision. But one of the things that I started to become more and more aware of as my path at Ramsey started to become more clear, one of the things that I've known for a long time now is that my vision for my career is to communicate, teach, write, lead, and work with people and make a living doing it. And I've known that for a really, really long time. And what's crazy is those doors were starting to open at Ramsey in really, really big ways. And it was just incredible. And that path started to become more clear, started to become more exposed. And the further we would walk down that path together, the more I just started to get this entrepreneurial itch. And the more I started to reflect on the path that, or on the fact that truly, I mean, most of my life and certainly all of my career, I have been surrounded by the topic of leadership development and entrepreneurship. And I have been obsessed with those things. And not because I had some intentional plan. It's just because that's where my mind naturally goes whenever I'm on a treadmill, whenever I'm in the shower, whenever I'm in the truck. That's what I'm thinking about, leadership development and entrepreneurship. And I just got to this point where I said, man, this is a wonderful organization. This is if I was going to work anywhere for anyone, this is where I would want to work. But I think that if I didn't go try to build my own business from the ground up, I think I would spend my entire life wondering what would have happened if I had. And it just became really clear to me that that was the case. And the moment I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that. I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I felt like the right thing to do was to let them know and for us to walk through the steps of making that transition. So I, I did see, I don't see all of the posts that you put on uh, LinkedIn, but I did see um, there was a response that you had to a comment. Um, you know, thanks. Someone was saying, I imagine uh, Dave saying you got about five years in, you've got five minutes to clean out your desk. And I loved your response. Uh, absolutely not. He, he, so as you're talking about walking through the process um, now on the podcast, I also saw uh, you know a couple of weeks ago you saying being very gracious about the leadership team there not turning their back on you but embracing the decision that you were making. So I'm putting that out there as encouragement to all of us who are in whether it is a um, by title or simply by influence when people are leaving the organization. Um, especially for good reasons um, for to chase their passion, there's something to be learned here. Um, and it sounded like, it sounds like now that Dave really was the example um, and everybody else fell in line and, and, and the heart of the organization came through loud and clear as you were making that, that change. Yeah. And, and what's so cool is it's just in alignment with everything that the organization has done for the past four years. And so I, I can like, I cannot tell you, it's just, it's so sad to me that there are organizations out there and there are people out there that because the employment situation changes, the friendship also changes and, mm -hmm. and both sides of the story have responsibility for that happening, right? Sometimes it's the employee's fault and, and they really screw up departing well. Departing well is really, really hard to do and it's never done accidentally. It's always done intentionally. 
I mean, I had I had a, a mentor that told me, Alex, you need to go home and you need to list every single bullet point that of what must be true for you to depart exceptionally well. And you don't even think about leaving until you're able to check off that list. And like wow. it has to be I mean, you have to be super detail oriented. You have to be super intentional. And like you said, you have to guard your heart. But then on the other side, too, it's a reflection of the organization and it and it's the organization's heart. And that's why it's so crucial for organizations to operate from a, a, a place of purpose and values that dictate this is why we exist and this is what we stand for, regardless of the situation. Because in this transition, I mean, there were a lot of uncomfortable conversations. There were a lot of awkward conversations. There were a lot of really tough decisions. But what was so cool is that there was never lack of clarity around why the organization existed or what the organization stood for. And because I trusted that and because they knew that, man, we were able to walk through all of those tough waters together instead of become divided in the process. Yeah. So good. And and you you say something in there a couple of different times about intentionality. And it all sounds like you have to work as hard to get the job as you do to leave with uh with integrity and with excellence and uh intentionally getting the job and then intentionally leaving on good terms. Um it's not gonna just accidentally happen. Um I don't believe that people just become overnight successes. Um, obviously, we're hearing your story and you did not just wake up one day and think, I think I'm going to leave this Bentley for you know my, my Ford that starts sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, so since nobody drifts into excellence, I'd love for you to take this wherever you'd like. But let's talk about routines and practical stuff like that. How do you view routines and prioritization? When I hear that word routines, my mind automatically goes to to the word habits. Um, mm -hmm. And I really, I just uh, preached a message on this on Sunday where we are the product of the things that we do routinely, repeatedly, and regularly. The things that you do daily create the person and the leader that you become permanently. I absolutely believe that. And so sometimes I'll work with people and I'll, I'll be coaching leaders and things like that. And they'll say, well, I just need, I just need more routine. I need more discipline. I need to, I need to be more focused on my rhythms and my habits and my, and I need to establish some routine is essentially what they're saying. And I think, uh, why I think the intent behind that statement is correct. I think it's completely wrong. Because the issue is not that they don't have routines. The issue is that they have the wrong routines. Recognize that whenever you go home after work and you eat junk food and you turn on Netflix for three hours, that's not an absence of routine. You've got a really great routine and you're, and you're disciplined about sticking to it. It's just not producing the results that you want. And so I think what's so crucial that we need to recognize is that our days are filled with habits, period. That is, that is a given. And then the next thing we need to recognize is that our habits are not neutral. Your habits are either taking you up to the person, to the leader, to the business, to the organization, to the team you want to be, or they are taking you away from that, but they are not neutral. And so we would be really wise to say, okay, what are the habits that are healthy, life-giving, and sustainable? 
And what are the habits that are toxic and unsustainable and take me away from the destination that I'm trying to reach? And then we need to replace the bad with the good. But again, it's exactly what you said. That demands a level of intentionality and awareness. And that's hard work, Steve. So um, what is what are some things that you won't compromise on? I have five core values that really have made the decision for me about what I refuse to compromise on. And I say them to myself as part of a manifesto that I say every single morning whenever my eyes open. So this is, this is part of your, part of your morning routine. It's part of my, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. So every, every morning I started doing this in 2019, every morning, whenever my, my eyes open, I say this manifesto and part of that manifesto is my core values, which are, I will relentlessly do the right thing. I will take ground every day. I will communicate and lead for God's purposes and not my own. I will honor and respect authority and I will love intentionally and actively. And those are my, those are my five values that if I'm doing something that does not fall in, in those five values, then I have no business doing it. Uh, And then that's always the thing that I come back to that. It's like, man, if I feel like a little bit stressed or a little bit like, man, something's off or a little bit scattered. I felt this way this morning. I was a little bit scattered internally, a great benchmark for me to be able to return back to is, okay, well, how are my actions, my thoughts, my words, my beliefs aligning with my core values? Because if there's a dissonance with those values, those things that I refuse to compromise on, then, then there's going to be dissonance in my entire life. And mm-hmm. so I think really that's the answer to your question about what I refuse to compromise on is I'm not always perfect on it, but to the best of my ability, I'm always going to strive to exemplify and live out those five core values. How did you come to those five? How, like what, what did you go through um, to, in order to draw out those five core values? That's a really good question. This is something that we work with people on in Path for Growth. I, I actually don't know when I established these. I want to say it was my freshman or sophomore year in college. Um, and I like one of the things that I recognized whenever I came into college is I realized that, man, there you have a lot of opportunities to make some really, really bad decisions in college. It's like, I mean, college is basically just a bad decision laboratory, right? Let's try this and see how this works out. Like, yes. And so I think I kind of had awareness around that. And I, and I, I saw evidence of people that I really liked and respected that were already screwing things up. And literally, I just became aware of that fast enough to realize, oh, like I, I'm absolutely susceptible to that and I don't want to be that. And one of the things that I recognized coming into college is I was like, man, if I allow myself to say I'm going to make those decisions in the moment, there's no way that turns out well. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in the moment is what's is is instant gratification in the moment is decisions based on my feelings and my emotions and not based on my logic and my principles in the moment is very, very selfishly motivated and not selflessly motivated. And so I think I was aware of that. And I said, OK, well, I better I better draw some lines in my life and establish some boundaries in my life where those decisions are already made. 
And uh, I think, you know, at first going to college, like I just kind of established some stuff with regard to, to alcohol, with regard to sleeping around, with regard to, you know, I mean, drugs and things like that. And, and as those opportunities came or as, as those decisions had to be made, it was like it wasn't even a decision because they were already made. I knew what I stood for. And yep. then fast forward, I started, I think, to learn the idea that, and, and this is in the effective executive, if anyone's read that Peter Drucker book, that, that strong leaders make decisions at the highest possible conceptual level. And so I, I could have never articulated this at that time, but what I realized as I said, okay, well, that whole no drinking thing, like, and making that decision, that's actually worked out pretty well for me. And so how do I get even further above that and say, okay, what is the principle here? Cause I don't just want to, I don't just want to make the decision of I'm not going to drink. What is the principle? Well, the principle is I'm going to, I'm going to honor and respect authority, which means I honor and respect the law. And that's a core value of mine, which is I'm going to, and then another one is that I'm going to relentlessly do the right thing because I know integrity is important. So I think I became aware of the fact that there were these guiding principles that I already believed in and saw exemplified in other people. And then I think the biggest thing that I did is I sat down and I literally asked myself the question with a notebook that you just asked me. I said, what are the things I am unwilling to compromise on? that when, when I am operating at my absolute best, I exemplify these things. And these are the things that, man, if I'm feeling scattered, I can always return to these five things. And that if I get to the end of the day and I can legitimately look in the mirror and say, I did these five things, then, then I will be able to call that day a win. And as you kind of walk through that process and walk through those questions and really take some time to be introspective and then also uh, externally get perspective from other people that know you really well, I think it all becomes very, very clear. Most of us live with values. Most of us just don't take the time to articulate them and use consistent language to say them. So good. Effective executive. We'll have that in the show notes along with uh, lots of other stuff. So um, if you if you haven't read that book, I have not. Um, so I'm excited to, to look it up. Uh, and, and, and you you are already giving us a peek into your approach uh, for coaching leaders and some of the the goals for path of growth, but I'd love to get more specific. And I want to ask you to give away all the secrets, but please, <laughs> you know, let's let's get into uh, path for growth. Uh, we've we've made the, the the progression to this this time now of present day. So give us a peek into the approach of how you coach leaders, some of your goals for path of growth, and and where you see it going. There's no secrets. It's all found in the Bible. Um, so <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> new under the sun. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. I, uh, one of the things that I've recognized over the course of my career and looking back at my life, and then also with regard to the leaders uh, that I get to, that I've gotten to work with, especially over the past four years at Ramsey and on the Entree Leadership podcast, is I've come to recognize that there's a pattern that it is a powerful day when someone chooses to recognize that their growth is their responsibility. Like it is a powerful day when you, Steve, when I, Alex, when anyone that's listening to this, when we choose to decide that our growth is our responsibility. Because so often the trend and the routine right now is to say that, oh, I'm just not growing. I'm just not being fed. I'm just not being poured into. 
<laughs> one-year-olds need someone to feed them, right? We're Theoretically, we are adults, so we should be able to feed ourselves. And so that mm-hmm. means that our growth is our responsibility. And when you make that decision, well, then then you take growth away from circumstance or for from your boss or, or from uh, your coworkers. And you say, I'm going to own my growth. My growth is my responsibility. And that's a powerful day whenever you start with that decision, because once you establish that decision, well, then you can start to take action. And one of the things that I work with leaders on is we, we work first on the big three questions, which is why do we exist, which is found in a personal mission statement? Where am I going, which is found in a crystal clear vision? And what do I stand for, which is found in the core values like we just talked about? And then we can do the same thing for, for your business as well. And then we say, OK, if that's the overarching, if those are the big decisions, the higher conceptual decisions that we need to make, like Peter Drucker said, Well, then what are the actions and the rhythms and the routines that we can consistently execute on over an extended period of time to make sure that those decisions become a reality? And so Path for Growth is really designed around the fact that we're going to sit down with a person, whether it's in an intensive, which is like a a two to three day, like roll up your sleeves, double down and work really hard on this thing, or it's a it's a six month coaching track or a 12 month coaching track. We're going to sit down and we're going to say, okay, what would it look like for you to be winning personally from a leadership perspective and from a business perspective six months from now or two days from now or 12 months from now? And then we work backwards from that and we say, okay, let's create a plan. Let's create a path for growth to take you from where you are today, from here to there in December or this time next year or this time in two days. And then we get to December and we say, okay, this is what you said you wanted to accomplish. Let's go through the list and see if we have done what we said we were going to do. I'm getting fired up over here, man. Um, this is, this is, seriously, you're like, you're like a personal trainer that's just, you can do this. Let's go. This is what we agreed upon. Well, I mean, like that's like it really is like once we decide and get clear about what we want, the the Mm -hmm. issue I think for leaders is not deciding between good and bad. I mean, the issue and we've all heard this before, your issue is going to be deciding between good and best. And and like the measure of a leader's effectiveness is that they will be barraged by opportunities that they can't always attend to. And the good leaders are the ones that become discerning about their ability to chase the right opportunities. So good. Well, we've uh, starting to close out our time together. Um, I would I would like to hear about people that you've spent time with along the way and their impact on you. I think the one the one from an interview perspective that really stands out to me. Actually, I think there's two. Number one is is Ben Ben Zander. He's man. He's the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. He's got one of the most watched TED Talks in the world right now. Um, and and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, conductor of the Phil, uh, Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. This will be really cool. I I have a, a background in music, and uh, and I thought that that would be really really neat to learn from him. But I certainly didn't think it was going to be the the highlight interview, right? I get to talk to some of the the um, most effective and most well known CEOs in the world. I, I got to talk to some of the greatest thought leaders in the world, and I was like, okay, Ben Sanders. I mean, I knew it was going to be a killer interview. I had no clue 
how much I was going to learn, but more than that, how much I was going to be emotionally affected by that interview. Really? Um, okay. It's, so his whole angle is the art of possibility. And I, I kid you not, my, my interview um, method is that I like to spend upwards of two weeks with the individual, whether it's listening to their talks or watching sessions they've done or mm-hmm. reading their book. And I, and I like to really immerse myself so that whenever I get to talk to them, it's like I've already spent a ton of time with them. And it's just yep. now having a conversation about the time that I've spent with them. And um, I kid you not, over the two weeks that I studied Ben and spent time with Ben, I was a better person. I became a better person over those two weeks because this guy, I mean, he has just tapped into the fact that when we live with an abundance mindset and we choose to not see just adversity, but we choose to see possibility and we open our eyes to the fact that everything we face is an opportunity to serve and invest in the lives of the people around us and that that is our highest calling as leaders. Um, man, it just changes everything. And as I, as I immerse myself in that, I just, I found myself getting better and it was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I think the second one from an interview perspective would be Jocko Willink. Are you familiar with Jocko? Yep. Man, that guy. Yeah. It, and extreme ownership is what everyone you know knows him by. Uh, and, and extreme ownership is a wonderful book, but like by design, that book is very, it's very single minded, right? It is like, we're going to talk about this topic of ownership. We're going to do it from the the perspective of a Navy SEAL and we're going to just hustle and grind and drive and hustle and grind and drive and, and just push you really hard. And when you listen to the audiobook, he talks like this and it just, yeah, yeah, yes. and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'll do whatever you say. And there's stuff blowing up all over the place too. In yeah, audiobook. that's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, And uh, what's so cool is that in getting to know Jocko, like that book is very, very single minded, very, very just direct and focused. That guy has so much substance and so much depth. Like, I mean, the if you've and a lot of this is in his newest book, which is Leadership Strategy and Tactics which I don't know if you've read that one, but I mean, Jocko is just, he's an incredible leader. He's obviously served our country beyond anything that I've ever done, but that guy, he is just a remarkable human being. And I mean, his thoughtfulness and his level of care and his, his compassion for people and his drive to constantly be growing as a leader. I, I just, I was honestly like, I was blown away by the level of depth that were in my conversations with him and the level of um, internal investigation that he has clearly done to be able to do what everyone sees on the outside. That's, that's refreshing to hear. I'm really excited to check out Ben Zander. Um, I'm picturing, I can see his face um, because I've, I've looked him up before. I just didn't listen to the interview. Um, but Jocko, to hear that the, the, the three-dimensional character versus just, you know, we're going to storm the, the castle kind of a guy, uh, that's, that's refreshing to hear. And I'll, since I have you, one of my favorite episodes um, that, of interviews that you did was uh, when you interviewed Stephen Pressfield. Oh, and, I love that guy. Um, and uh, I, I, I picked up uh, War of Art afterwards. And that was another very direct and, and uh, uh, practical um, book if you're interested in, in uh, those kinds of things. The War of Art, not Art of War, War of Art. The audio version is very, very intriguing uh, or very interesting. But 
so closing it out, I've got two, two more questions uh, for you. So where would you direct people from here to keep engaging with you? The website is pathforgrowth.com. And really that's all centered around the fact that we believe leaders, teams, and individuals thrive whenever they have a path for inward, outward, and upward growth. And so you can go there and then we send out free content. If you just put in your email address, the pop-up will pop up. So if you want to put in your email there to be on that list, uh, I send out content pretty regularly. So we'd love to have you on there at pathforgrowth.com. And then they can connect with me personally at Judd on the run is where I'm at on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it sounds a little bit like I'm a convict. I'm actually just a runner. I'm not on the run. I'm not <laughs> running from anything. Uh, and then I love connecting with folks on LinkedIn as well. It's good. So, uh, closing it out. Uh, what do you want to leave people with Alex? I think it's a little bit like what we discussed earlier that we need to all recognize that it's a powerful day when we affirm with our thoughts and exemplify in our actions that our growth is our responsibility. And so if you are at a stage right now where you feel stuck or where you feel off kilter, where you feel like you're not growing or where you feel like you're not moving forward, the first thing you need to do is decide to grow. And then once you decide that you are going to grow, ask yourself a really simple question. Where do I want to be in six months that I'm not today? And out of that question, not, not, uh, not what am I going to do over the course of the next six months yet, but where do I want to be? And more than that, who do I want to be? Who is the type of person? Who is the type of leader? What is the type of business that you want to be in six months that you are not today? And then out of your answer to that question, start drafting the actions that will take you from where you are today to where you want to be six months from now. Because here's the deal. We all need leadership and leadership demands that we all take absolute responsibility for our growth. And it is a powerful, powerful day when you take responsibility and you say, my growth is my responsibility. That is fantastic. Oh man, let's go. Let's go, Alex. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much for taking time. Um, I'm excited to, to see where Path of Growth ends up, where you lead people. And uh, I'm excited to have you. Hopefully, you know, we can, we can schedule a time in the future for you to come back on. I love it. Game on. Steve, I'm such a fan of yours. You're a very gifted interviewer. I'm such a fan of Patrick's. Y'all's organization is absolutely world-class. Uh, and thanks so much for having me on today. Okay, so takeaway and action item. My takeaway, it didn't even happen during the interview. It actually came to me after we stopped recording. So Alex asked me to do him a favor and send him one piece of critical feedback. Of course, I told him I would do that. And then it hits me. People that want to grow take responsibility for their growth. Alex Judd is the real deal. Action item. I need to identify one area that I'm hoping to see growth in and stop hoping. Take responsibility, make a plan, and take action. My encouragement to you all is to do the same. And if you don't have a coach in your life, or even if you do have a mentor and you're just looking for someone else to run alongside you and, and be that personal trainer, hit up pathforgrowth.com and sh shoot Alex a message. Maybe sign up for the emails that he shoots out. It's good stuff. Follow the guy on social media as well. You'll be encouraged. 
If you've enjoyed this conversation, I ask that you go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast, click on this episode, and when the episode page loads, copy the webpage address and just paste it into whatever social media platform you have the most influence in. Now, I focus primarily on LinkedIn for social media, but CCB and every interviewee are on multiple platforms. So if you go through with this and you do post it and say, hey, check this out, I love this, don't forget to tag us when you do. We love the engagement, it's encouraging, and it helps us spread the word. And if you enjoy a different episode, you can do the same thing over and over again and get others in on the fun. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget to check out the show notes. If you're on your phone, all you gotta do is scroll down and you'll find it. And if you're streaming on your computer, you'll see them next to the player. Until we meet again, from all of us at CCB, thanks for listening. <laughs>